Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church, listen. Last week, last week, if you weren't here last week, we finished up with a king named Belshazzar. Not to be confused with Belteshazzar, is which the, which the Babylonian name was given to Daniel. This is Belshazzar. Okay? And here's what we learned. We learned in the last two verses of chapter five, this was Belshazzar's final breaths on earth. That was it. That was it. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. Because not that you start off a Bible study talking about death, but you've got to think about it that that could be very much in our future and how important it is that we know where we're going when we die. That that is solidified in our heart so that we can do the work that God has called us to do. Like heaven isn't a reward. Do you understand that? Heaven is its a gift that God gives us based on faith in Him, and that's secure. We don't have to worry about death. Belshazzar? I'm pretty sure he's not going to be there based on what he did. You go, what did he do? Well, it wasn't about bringing the articles out and offering them to gods, but it was about him not knowing who Jesus was, not putting his faith and trust in God. Now, if you're taking note, make a mental note, we're going to see Belshazzar in the next few weeks. You go, wait a minute, he's going to resurrect? No, 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 he's not going to resurrect. Here's why. Allow me to give you a nugget of truth about chapter 5. Chronologically, chapter 7 and 8 come before chapter 5. Okay, so you go, some people go, wait, well, is there another Belshazzar? And again, you've got to be careful because honestly, we can get confused unless you have somebody, a shepherd teaching you the word of God. And so 7 and 8 will come before chapter 5. So when we get to chapter 7 and 8, think about this in your mind. They already took place before chapter 5. So they're already taking place. And, and I'll bring that back up. But I want to remind you, okay? Nebuchadnezzar uh, dies after 43 years reigning. Now, he has a son. His son was actually called Evil Knievel. No, it wasn't Evil Knievel. It was actually Evil uh, Morodok, that's was his name, Evil Morodok. And I don't think it was like, well, he's evil. But it was evil, and, and, and Jeremiah 52 actually describes this, and, and he only rules for two years. So Evil Merodach rules for two years, and he's assassinated by his brother-in-law. How many would you like your brother-in-law to do that? You know, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. But his name was Neri Glassar. Neri Glassar, that was his name, Okay. I don't know what happened to the good old John or Fred or Anthony or or Adam. No, these guys are evil. You know, how are you going to name look, look, look at him. <laughs> we should name him Evil, right? Evil Murdoch. That's what we should name him. It's like, yeah, you don't think he's going to get... Anyway, he's going to get teased at school, but that's nonetheless. Why? Because Neri Glassar rules for four years, and he dies a natural death. He has a son. Now, his son, his name is Labor Sorchad. Laboro Sorchad is what I kind of think. I'm probably butchering it. But let me spell it for you, just so you know what I have to deal with in teaching you the Bible. 
It's L-A-B-O-R-O-S-O-A-R-C-H-O-D. Okay, so we're just going to call him labor. He's just labor. That's just, hey, labor, come here. That's, that's who he is. Now, he takes over, and he is mentally unstable, probably because of his name. I don't know why, but think about it. I mean, he's so, so he rules for nine months, and then he gets beaten by a gang of conspirators. So they're ruthless back in this time. Now, they don't have a king. Okay, because old laborer, Sorashad, is, is gone. So they appoint a man by the name of Nabadonis, Nabadonis, to be king. Okay, so Nab, Nabadonis, you're king. He rules until Cyrus, the Persian, conquers Babylon. Now, Nabadonis has a grandson, and his name is Belshazzar. Belshazzar. So you see how it's kind of the, the lineage comes down. Okay? So Belshazzar was a co-regent or a co-ruler in the third year of Nabadonis' reign from 553 B.C. all the way to the fall of Babylon on 539, although he wasn't actually ruling in the kingdom. Belshazzar was foolish king who brought what? The temple vessels to be used for idol worship. So old Bell, maybe his friends call him Shaz. I don't know. Hey, Shaz, what are you doing? And and do you guys remember? They're in a drunken state, and they're partying, and they're having a good time. And, and old Shaz there is just thinking, man, how can I get these people to like me? How can I get the, yeah, I want to I wanna boost morale. What can I do? And so he takes the vessels that were made specifically, right, for the honor and worship of God, Elohim, and he uses them to... Praise his gods, little g gods. Well, it's idol worship. It's idol worship. Well, during the feast, during the party, the band stops suddenly because a hand appears to be writing something on the wall. Well, everybody sees it, but, but more than anything, Belshazzar just really just totally freaks out. The Bible says that his countenance changed. He's looking and he just can't believe. I mean, everything. His knees are not. He's so scared. Have you ever been at a time that you've been so scared that your knees knocked? I don't know if you ever prayed those practical jokes on your siblings where you hid behind somewhere and jumped at them and boo and scared them and, and always tried to do that. I think, I think that's a common place, but nonetheless, a hand on the wall scared him. And he's trying to figure out what it says. And in Daniel chapter 5, verse 25, the Bible says, this is the inscription that was written. So here's what he's writing. Many, many tekel eupharsin. That's what's written. Many, many tekel eupharsin. Okay? And basically, it's judgment. Because in Daniel chapter 5, 26 and 28, I'm going to read you from the Peterson paraphrase. It says, this is what the words mean. Many, here's what the word means. God has numbered the days of your rule, and you don't add up. Okay, they don't add up. He's going, okay, I'm measuring you, and they don't add up. He says, Tekel, he says, you've been weighed in the scales. He says, and you don't weigh much. Paris, your kingdom has been divided and handed over to the Medes and the Persians. So that was the message. God sent the message. God ultimately came in and crashed the party. He comes in, and it was just a hand. And he says, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen to your kingdom. And you can imagine, 
you can imagine, you're pretty proud, you're pretty, you got this pride going on, and, and, and all of a sudden, verse 30 and 31 happen of chapter 5. It says, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Can you imagine? The only blurb we have about Belshazzar, he, he died. He, he was slain that night. The armies came in, and they totally You see, when the writing was on the wall, many, many Tekel Eupharsin, that's he's basically saying, "Hey, Jazz, you're done. Tonight it's over." And it was. But can I encourage you tonight, saints? Because I know the world is throwing such curveballs every single day. Politically, religiously, whatever it might be. But the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians that the Lord Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back, and, and if the Bible says it, I believe it, and I know it's going to happen. You go, yes, pastor, that's great, but when is he coming back? Well, here's the key. The key is is that should bring comfort to you going, listen, whatever, regardless of whatever age you are here tonight, know that, okay, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen six months from now. It could happen two years from now. But, but bet on this, it's going to happen. I was watching either a YouTube video or something that caught my attention, um, and it was based on biblical prophecy, and it was telling me in what's happening today with Russia, China, and Iran. And the coalition that Ezekiel 38 talks about is actually being set up as we speak. Now, I've looked at those, and I don't see China in the mix of the coalition in Ezekiel 38, but nonetheless, we know that Russia is, we know that Iran is, and all of these other coalitions are going to come in to attack Israel. Never in history have we seen enemies gather together for one common cause, and it's happening today. And I want to encourage you that sometimes life gets really hard, sometimes you know, the, the, the stresses of the day and, and the drama and all this stuff can just weigh you down. But the encouragement is you go, okay, Lord, it won't be long before this will all be over. I get to go home with you, and that's far better. But can I, can I encourage you tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm going strictly off my notes, but I want to encourage you tonight because I believe that the enemy is going to do his very best to devalue God in your life. He's going to do his very... You see, he's, it's not going to be a frontal attack of, oh, watch out, this is what's going to happen, but he's going to start putting other things that he wants you to value a little bit higher than God. Just a little bit. Oh, we got to value relationships. Oh, our relationship got to value. It's got to be higher than God. Of course. It's my relationships. And you go, no, 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 no. See, all of your relationships are going to be so sweet when you value God above everything else. 
And not only value him, but submit to him in obedience. Come on, somebody. Because, because it's not enough to know and go, okay, well, I know the Bible. I have it up here. But God wants us to obey. He wants us to obey and go, okay. <sighs> well, back in our text, as we approach chapter 6, I'm calling this message Lessons from the Lion's Den. And you say, why would you call it that? Well, today we discover that Daniel is going to be given the most important test of faith. Much like his friends, as the fiercely faced, as they fiercely faced the fiery furnace, Daniel is walking in righteousness and he's going to face a hungry den of lions. Simply because, well, he's Hebrew and he's not a heathen. He's Hebrew. And as I start to think about this, I think we can learn something right off the bat. Let me give you by way of application. You go, what's that? I don't know if you know this, but the term Christians, we're called Christians. We we say we're Christians, but the term Christian, jot this down, it means Christ-like. It means Christ-like. So if you say, I am a Christian, you're saying, I'm Christ-like. I'm Christ-like. And that alone, church, listen, that alone will get you persecuted because you're Christ-like. Wait, Pastor, I didn't come to Calvary Chapel to, to, to know that I'm being persecuted. No, no, listen to me. The world is not slowly changing anymore. The world is fast-paced changing, and they are now in a position where they're completely anti-Christian. You cannot say, Jesus... You cannot pray without somebody going, I'm offended. You cannot be who you are if you took your Bible. Now, now listen, in Lubbock, Texas, praise be to God, we can still take our Bibles and read them at the coffee shops, okay? We can still, we can still do this, but there's a time coming and the wave is moving to where the fact that you're a Christian, you won't get any business. The fact that you're a believer might and land you up in jail. The fact that you're serving in a religious capacity might bring persecution. Might bring persecution. So my question is this, church. I wonder how many den of lions you and I are going to face because we love Jesus. I wonder. You see, they're not going to take Adam and Tiffany and say, if you don't, if you don't recant, we're going to throw you into a hungry den of lions and watch them eat you. That's Daniel chapter 6. But I wonder what the establishment is going to do because of our beliefs, because of our stands. Can I tell you, number one, a lot of us are going to get fired from our jobs because of our beliefs. I don't know if you realize this, but over in North Korea, there are certain imperatives that North Koreans have to follow. Number one is that all the men have to have the same haircut. They literally have the same haircut. Number two okay, in North Korea, you cannot make a out-of-country call. 
It's against the law. You cannot call another country from North Korea. But let me give you this one. In North Korea right now, you cannot have your own opinion. If you have your opinion about something, they will take you what they call a re-education camp. Jot that down in your notes because that's going to be something you're going to start seeing in the future. Hopefully we're out of here. But it's called a re-education camp. You see, we need to re-educate you on how you think. And if you're not thinking exactly how the government in North Korea tells you to, well, then we need to take you and we need to have a little talk until you... That's going on in our world. Can you imagine if your beliefs, Genevieve, are, I believe the Bible. I'm standing on the Bible. And they say, no, 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 no. We need to take you to a re-education camp because we need to take your stance, your beliefs out of you. This is not true. It's a fairy tale. That day could be coming. Well, Ben, why are you telling us? Because it's my job as a shepherd to warn you and to, and to let you know, let's be ready. Let's be ready. Let's be ready. The Lord Jesus, in John fifteen eighteen said this, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Don't you love that? You go, Why? Because I feel like I'm in good company if the world hates me. Not for being awful. You, you understand it. When we're being obnoxious and we're being, and we're being awful and, and, and we have UMS syndrome and we have all this stuff and we're being mean to people. Ah, we hate you because you're... No, 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 no. If, if, if the world hates me because I love Jesus, then I'm in good company. Because... Because Jesus radiated love as he pointed us to the Father. Could you imagine why they hated him? In your mind, just for a second, think about all the good things that Jesus did. He'd go around, he'd heal people. And many people bringing their sick. And I was thinking about this. If anybody was sick, they'd bring him to, hey, hey, get in the car, let's go. We're, we're going to go see Jesus. This is the only way you can be healed. And so Jesus would have compassion and he'd heal people and he'd feed people and he'd love on people. And he brought hope to the hopeless. And he did all of these things. And guess what? The establishment hated him and wanted him dead. This was 2,000 years ago. What do you think is going to happen now? In John chapter 15, verse 20, the Word of God says, Remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If you keep my word, they will keep yours also. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. That's what he says. Remember, he says that they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They're going to persecute you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Your attention, please. Do you not see the world moving at breakneck speed away from Christian values? We see it. But wake up. Let's be wise. 
Let's make sure we have our foundation set. Let's make sure we go, okay. The, the Bible said we're going to be persecuted because we're, we're fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like, but I want to be ready. I want to be ready. How's that going to look? Well, Daniel's going to give us, well, he will be given one of the most important tests of faith. One of the most important tests of faith. And, and I was thinking, when I started thinking, oh, Dan's going to get a, he's going to get a, a huge, what? He's going to get a huge test of faith. It's a test. I started thinking about tests. And I, and it reminded me of a story. It's about, it's about a, a, a Dr. Madison Surratt. And she taught mathematics at Vanderbilt for many years. Before giving a test, Dr. Surratt would put things in perspective for his students by admonishing his class with these words. And I'm quoting Dr. Surratt. Today, I'm giving you two examinations. One is in trigonometry. The other is in honesty. I hope you will pass them both. But if you must fail one... Fail trigonometry. There are many good people in the world who cannot pass trigonometry, but there are no good people in the world who cannot pass the examination of honesty. End quote. And here's why. Like Daniel, it doesn't take long to realize the really important tests in life come long after school is out. And many times, these tests are painful. I'll tell you what's the most painful test is a pop, a pop quiz, right? One you're not ready for. And why? Because they take us by surprise. They take us by surprise. And that's probably why Peter wrote, he wrote in 1 Peter 4.12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange was happening to us. Oh my gosh, I'm under pressure. I can't believe this. Oh, there's an attack. Oh, goodness gracious. And in referring to trials, the Apostle Peter also said, these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold. Paris says, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and result in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ is revealed. 1 Peter 1, 7. So we're going to have these trials. So as we come to our study today, in the book of Daniel chapter 6, we should not be surprised to find that he finds himself facing probably one of the greatest trials in his life. Now, chapter 6 is encompassed all of the lines, Then I'm going to give you six main points, but we're only going to look at three of them tonight. But let me go ahead and jot these down so you know. This is the, these are the six, or I'm sorry, five main points. Number one, we're going to see the position of Daniel. Jot that down, the position of Daniel. We'll talk about that. After position, go ahead and write the plot against Daniel. So you have the position of Daniel, where he's at, the plot against Daniel. Then we're going to see the prayer of Daniel, very important. So you have the position, you have the plot, and now you have the prayer. Next week, we'll see the persecution of Daniel. And then we're going to see the protection, all P words, guys. So you have position. Plot, prayer, persecution, and protection. Let me give them to you again because I know sometimes when, when I'm talking very fast, it's hard to write these down. The first we're going to look at is the position of Daniel. 
The second is the plot against Daniel. Third is the prayer of Daniel. Fourth, the persecution of Daniel. And fifth, we'll look at the protection of Daniel. So tonight, let's look at the very first three. We're going to look at the first three. Daniel chapter 6, let me give you some background. Daniel is well in his 80s at this point. He has outlived the Babylonian rulers. Darius the Mede was now the newest king over Daniel. He had just conquered the Babylonian empire and was setting up his own government. Darius was intelligent, capable, and a powerful ruler. We will also see that he was a man who had Daniel thrown in the lion's den. So point number one, let's look at the position of Daniel tonight. Read with me, please. Daniel chapter 6, 1 through 3 says, And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might have an account to them, so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Your attention, please. Let's look at the position of Daniel. It first says, and we got to grasp this, guys, because we're a Bible teaching church. It says, it pleased Darius. Now, let me just give you this. I don't want to confuse you, but secular history of this period has no record of a ruler named Darius. The Bible says it, but secular history doesn't. Now, there are three possible explanations for Darius of Daniel chapter 6. Let me just give them to you. It may be that Darius was simply another name for Cyrus, who ruled the Medo-Persian Empire during this period. It could be that. Point number two, it may be that Darius was actually... Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, who served under his father as the ruler of Babylonian and later inherited the throne of the entire empire. Or it may be, now this is where I lean to, check this out. It may be that Darius was the uh, ancient official name as Gubaru. Gubaru, jot this down, G-U-B-A-R-U. See, in ancient documents, whom Cyrus appointed as a ruler over Babylon immediately after his capture. It was the name of Gubaru. Many commentators believe that Gubaru was the same person as Darius. In fact, Darius may be a horrific title or honorific title, meaning holder of the scepter. So Darius may not even be a name. It may be a title. Ancient documents show that a man named Gubaro had the power to make appointments, assemble an army, levy taxes, and possess palaces. Gubaro was, in a very real sense, the king over Babylon. The Bible says his name was Darius. It could be Gubaro. Either way, we know he's here, and we know that it pleased him for what? Well, Think about what it did. It pleased him to, he's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to build up his kingdom. But I find it interesting that this jumps out. It says Daniel distinguished himself. 
Daniel was one of three leaders directly under Darius, and he shined above other two leaders because he had what he calls an excellent spirit. Can I have your attention? If we would study the word of God and allow the word of God to get in us and grow us and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, that is witness enough for people to go, wow, what's, what's up with that? Why are you different? Can you imagine a world church with you and I praying with people on broad daylight, walking with people, having that excellent spirit? You see, Daniel distinguished himself above all the others. And that's key. And that's key. Why? Because Daniel, you ready, had a good attitude in his work and his life. And this made him an object of attack. Now, let's chat for just a moment. Daniel distinguished himself above everybody else. Why? Because the Holy Spirit walked in him. He had the spirit of excellence. He loved God. He prayed all the time. But not only that, think about this. What really was so contagious about Daniel was his attitude. The attitude in which he worked, the attitude at home, the attitude on how he dealt with people, all of his attitude was so different. And I thought, how incredibly awesome would it be if believers had the same attitude like Daniel? Can you imagine if you walked into your work with a different attitude and you're just bubbly and you're just having a great time? Hey, how you doing? You know, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? We're all coming to work and you're just going, listen, listen, man, man, think about it. Think about it. Or how about having a good attitude at home? Having a good attitude at home, having a good attitude about life. Now, I understand. I get busted all the time because I'm like, oh, I have to study this, and then I have to preach it to them, and the Lord's like, do you have a good attitude? I'm like, leave me alone, Lord. I'm just. And sometimes we don't have a good attitude. But can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how people would react when you have a good attitude at your job and how you handle things in life? Just a good attitude. It was Francis on Saturday who always goes in and he's so, I mean, he gets up at two in the morning and he's all, and he's always chipper and everybody at his work is like, are you kidding me? Here's a big guy coming in going, hey, uh, you know, and we're just like, oh, that would be it. But he says, I, I gotta have that good attitude. So I gotta ask, how's your attitude? How's your attitude at work? Do people know that you are a fully devoted follower of God based on the Holy Spirit living inside you and the way you work? Or do you say, hey, hey, can you go do this? That's not my job. I've got... And we do this. I can't... I don't like this job. I did my boss and everything. And you have a bad... And everybody sees that. Everybody sees that you have, you have that attitude. But how about we go, you know what? I work for God. I work for God, so if they ask me to clean the restrooms, I'll clean the restroom with joy. The joy of the Lord. What are you doing? I'm cleaning the restrooms. What? 
I mean, just think of your attitude. But not only that, think of your attitude at home. If Daniel's going to be a great example to us, then we need to look at this and go, how's my attitude at home? You see, at work, we can be like, hey, how you doing? Walking, and we're having a good time at work, and we get home, and we look at our spouse. And we just have a bad attitude at home. That's not what believers should be. That's not what believers should be. Think about it like this. Think. Of, put on your thinking caps, okay? And, and I want to challenge you tonight. I know what you're thinking. I can, I can feel you. You don't know my job, Pastor. You don't know my... Okay, I get it. But, but Daniel, had, Daniel probably had it worse. But let me ask you this, okay? Think about this. Both the hummingbird and the vulture fly over the nation's deserts. All the vulture sees is rotting meat because that's what they look for. They thrive on that diet. But hummingbirds, they ignore the smelly flesh of dead animals. Instead, they look for colorful blossoms and desert plants. The vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves on what's dead and gone. But hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. Each bird finds what it's looking for. And the question is, what are you? Is your attitude that of a hummingbird? Because I'm telling you right now, a vulture-type attitude is living in the past. They're living in a past that they cannot change. It's done. But it eats them alive. You see, attitude, listen to me, is all about perspective, is it not? It's all about perspective. Listen, you get Jesus. You get heaven. Streets of, you get the peace that surpasses all understanding now. Why are we copying an attitude? Well, it's in our flesh. It's in our flesh. You don't understand. Sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Sometimes I have a bad hair day. Sometimes I have a bad hair month. Are you kidding me? Two natures beat within my breast. One is blessed and one is cursed. One I love and one I hate. But the one I feed will dominate. Attitude. It's in perspective. So Daniel, so the position of Daniel is amazing. He's the governor over 40, and now the king is thinking about promoting him to what, guys? To president, right? He's one of three. Daniel, wow, can you imagine? He's always, wow. So what happens? What happens when a believer starts to get ahead a little bit? What happens when the Holy Spirit is radiating in someone's life? Well, then we have number two. We have the plot against Daniel. Look at verse four. So the governors 
And the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Can I get a good amen there? Can I get a better amen? Amen. Nor was there any error or fault in him. So you got these governors, you got these gentlemen, you got these guys, and they all get together. All right, we're going to call a meeting. Eric, got the meeting? Yeah, we got a meeting. And here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to find some old scandal. And they're trying to find a skeleton in Daniel's closet. We're not so far fresh from that today, are we? If you just watch the news for a minute, you're going, are you serious? But listen, let me just say this to you. The enemy of your soul is taking the war much more serious than you are. It's time for Christians to step up to the, to step up their game in this. Because you can see this. You can see what's happening. Here's the difference. As he slightly references what's going on in the political culture. They couldn't find anything on Daniel or dig up anything against him. Guys, Daniel was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They couldn't find any evidence of negligence or or misconduct. You see, Daniel had a receipt for everything he purchased. Daniel always used purchase orders. Daniel made sure that he was never in a room alone with a woman. Daniel made sure he was just a man of integrity, a man of, of, of just, just trustworthiness. Daniel's word, what he said, he followed through as best he could. They couldn't find anything. They can say, well, you've been serving these last four kings. Let me see. Let me go back on your, on your, um, social media and see if I can find something. Oh yeah. Do you remember this? Oh. Guys, that's the kind of life that I want. But let me say this, because I know what you're thinking. This isn't to imply that Daniel was actually sinless. Oh, well, he can walk on water. That's Daniel. But he was a man of great integrity. And God Almighty is calling you and I tonight to be men and women of integrity. Men and women of honesty. We could say that Daniel was especially blameless in the conduct of his personal life. God is calling us to be men and women of integrity. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Speak the truth in love. And if you can do something, do it. If you can't, say, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I don't want to do it, but I can't do this. Verse 5, then, they, then these men said, We shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Hey, we can't find anything. They can't find it. Oh, oh, I, I got it. I got it. Ah. <sighs> We're going to find it about with him and his God. Uh-huh. Now, here's what I want you to see. These men knew Daniel well. They knew. They knew he could not be trapped into evil. They knew they couldn't bribe Daniel. Hey, Daniel, do this and you'll make a few extra bucks. Hey, Daniel, you're getting old. Why don't you put a little bit of retirement? Hey, Dan, no, 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 no. You know what they knew? They knew that Daniel was faithful to God in all circumstances. 
They knew that. So take a step back. Let the Lord speak to us. Lord, do people know that about me? That they can't entice me. That they can't bribe me. They can't trick me. That in all things, I want to be faithful to the God that I love. That's what your coworkers should go. Man, they're, they're spot on to the letter. That's what your family should know. They're spot on to the letter. They're faithful to God. Man, I'll tell you what a great goal to have is that, Lord, we would be faithful to you in all circumstances. We'll be faithful to you. You got one problem. You go, no, I got a lot of problems. We got one problem. It's our flesh. Our flesh is stinking evil. It won't, oh, oh. I told this man the story on, on, on Saturday, and it just kind of tells you how the flesh operates, okay? Daniel's a man of integrity above all things, but here's the thing. Uh, there's a there's a fellow that we love. I mean, he he watches Samson. He's he's been to church at many of the special events, and he says, "Hey Ben, why don't you could you help me move? I'm going to move. I'm a, of course I will. We're going to move my uh, my shed over to my new place, and and oh okay, not a problem. Now listen, my attitude wasn't like oh joy, I get to move somebody. It was like okay, when what." So I already blew it on the attitude. That, that's not the part I'm trying to get to you, okay? So we start moving. We start moving the stuff, and we're move, moving it up. And I come across, and it's a box that's already breaking. And here's what he says. Oh, yeah, those are my grandsons. And he had a complete set of baseball cards that dated way back to... You know what I saw? Cha-ching! <laughs> Right and and he and he didn't even know he had he didn't even know he had them, and so I'm carrying the box and and he's like oh yeah oh that box is breaking, and so he gets in the elevator and goes up and for half a second your pastor thought he's not going to miss a set. <laughs> I'm thinking four or five grand. I'm like he won't even he's he's old he's not and the Lord's like really. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. No, I, I, you know how, and, and come on, don't leave me hanging up here. You guys are the same way. For a half a second, your flesh kicks in. You go, hey, I can't. No, 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 no. See, I want to be, and don't ever repeat that story, okay? But I want to be faithful to God in all certain. No, I didn't take his cards. We, they're safe wherever he's at. But we think about stuff like that, and the flesh goes, who's going to know? Who's going to know? Now let's look at the plot. Verse 6. So the governors and the satraps, they thronged before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, not all the governors, right? Because he's not there. The administration, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. 
O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Does not alter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You go, what that? 119 people are against Daniel. 109. Hey, this is what, this is what we should do. And now they're gathered together. I wasn't invited, but they're plotting to kill him. They're plotting to kill him. Now, here's the gist of the decree. You ready? It's something we dealt with last week. It's pride. Hey, it's pride. Hey, hey, king? Yes. Whoever prays or petitions any god or man for 30 days except Darius, except you, let him be cast into the den of lions. Wait a minute. Are you saying I'm like God? I like that. I want people to pray to me. You see, it's pride. It's pride. So, but he, he doesn't see through him because they're pretending to make him a god for 30 days so that whole empire should make prayer and supplication to him and to pay him divine honors. But this was the bait. And their real object was to destroy Daniel. Look at verse 9. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Wait, are you serious? Bam! Sign. Yeah, 30 days. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. It was the great pastor, Charles Spurgeon, who once said, Listen, suppose the law of the land were proclaimed. No man shall pray during the remainder of this month on pain of being cast into a den of lions. How many of you would pray? I think there would be rather a scantly number at the prayer meeting. No, but what the attendance at the prayer meeting is scantly enough now. But if there were penalty of being cast into a den of lions, I'm afraid the prayer meeting would be postponed for a month owing to pressing business, manifold engagements of one kind or another, end quote. What did Charles Spurgeon say? He said, how would you react if the decree came to Lubbock, Texas and said, you cannot pray even between now and Easter? If you are found praying, you'll be thrown in the den of lions. He says, how many of us would continue to pray? How many of us would continue to pray? How many of us would make excuse, well, I'm not going to make it to prayer meeting this week. You see, tomorrow we have noonday prayer. Larry, Norma, you coming? Okay, you come if we catch you. You're going in the den of lions. You'll be dead. You'll be dead. Oh, Pastor Ben. <laughs> I just got a phone call at 11.59. I got to go. We're not going to be there. Would we? Or how about this? I'll take it off Larry and Nora. put it on me. Well, guys, listen. I know we have noonday prayer, but I've got something to do, and nobody's going to be here to open the door, so we're not going to have prayer meeting tomorrow or the following Thursday or the Sunday or... Cool? Everybody's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, it's not going to be a den of lions, I don't think. 
but I think they're going to try to stop us from praying. So what does Daniel do? Well, let's look at the prayer of Daniel, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since the early days. Can I get an amen? Because I stopped purposely on when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, I stopped purposely there because I want you to fill in the blank. What would you do? Well, I'm a governor. I'm going to go talk to the king himself. This is silly. This is silly. This is, uh, no, 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 no. King, you know this. Here's my resume. Listen, I've been good up until now. Why are you doing this? Let, no, 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 no. I, I got an idea. I'll call a meeting and I'll try to get my posse over here and then we'll try to counteract what he said. But see, it's already signed. It's done. So what does Daniel do? He goes home. He opens the curtains where everyone can see, and he kneels down, and he prays. Listen, when Daniel was confronted with a test of loyalties, he was a loyal subject to his king. Yet he knew that the king of kings, listen to me, deserved higher loyalty. Daniel refused to give the government the measure of obedience that belonged to God alone. That's where we should stand. Listen, we'll honor. We love the United States of America. We love the government that was set in place years ago. We will honor that government. We will respect the presidency, the office of the presidency of the United States. We will pray for our leaders. I didn't hear a whole lot of amen. Come on, guys. That's what the Bible says. We will do that. But if they come and tell us that we can't serve God, we can't love God, that's where we draw the line. Curtains open, we're praying. We're praying. What does Daniel do? He opens the curtains, he faces Jerusalem, he prays. The Bible says he prays three times a day. Three times a day so people can see him. Now, do you remember our study on prayer? So a prayer that every Hebrew male would pray, he would pray in at least twice a day, one in the morning and one for bed, was called the Shema. Do you remember that? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's the Shema. But the next prayer that a Jewish person is called the weekly or the weekday Amidah. Do you guys remember that? The Amidah contains 19 blessings, 18 originally, but they added one final blessing. And do you remember, do you remember about this prayer Daniel would pray this prayer in Babylon that would get him thrown in the lion's den. Why? Because the Amidah is said, is, is said or prayed at least three times a day. When? In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And a person should say it standing. So there's Daniel. A person should say it loud enough to hear it, but be quiet enough that other people wouldn't hear it. So everybody walking by would go, he's Praying. In verse 10, it says, Daniel prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since the early days. Listen, church, this is a tough test. Why? Obey God and be killed? 
or compromise. Everybody say compromise. compromise. You see, it's only 30 days. See, not Daniel. Not Daniel. Could you tonight, church, pinch incense and say Caesar is Lord? Or would that go against the very nature of your spirit? You see, I can say it, Caesar's Lord, and then live. Nobody has to know, I'm going to compromise a little bit. It's not a big deal. Or you go, no, 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 I can't say that. I can't say anyone else is Lord. Yeah, but you'd be killed. You see, you're in the lion's den. You're in the lion's den. Now, now remember, remember, what you feed is going to dominate you. If you're feeding to the flesh, you'll compromise. You'll give in. If you feed to the flesh, that's exactly where you're going to end up, backsliding. When you feed to the Spirit, it's exactly what Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 3. Our foundation, the Spirit man in us, is strong. So we can resist those temptations. And even if it causes death, we can be like Stephen going, okay, here I go, Lord. Paul's watching over there, and, and, and there's Stephen. Did I, did I mention in today's sermon that the enemy wants to devalue God and put value on other things? And yet here we are. We want to value God far above anything else. Lord, I love you. How can you value God like that? How, how can you? Because your tent pegs aren't so deep in this world, are they? They're not deep. You know you're just passing through. You're only here for sure. I'm just visiting. I'm just visiting. But I'm also homesick, and I'm really here sick. But I'm just visiting. I'm just passing. You guys realize you're just passing through, right? It's not your home. It's not your home. So that remodel, don't worry about it. It's just, just put it off. Don't worry about it. Somebody else will do it. No, I'm kidding. Don't even go there. Compromise? It isn't hard to see why people are men-pleasers, right? It's compromise. Many times it seems that if people have the power to hire or fire us or to break our hearts or to slander us or to make our lives generally miserable, we often succumb and obey them. Hey, listen, if you don't do this, you won't have a job. We have to talk real because we've just lived through it these past three years. The, I've got to be careful how I say this, but the very thing, the very thing that cost millions their jobs is not a thing anymore. Not in the way that it was. You understand that. But many Christians said, no, I'm not going to do this. And, and, and that's, that's just, guys, that's just a preview of what the enemy wants to do later on. That, that was, that's just a preview. It's a test. It's a beta test. Okay, let's see how they react. Oh, wait a minute. Now they're gathering information. 
I don't know if you guys watch TV at all. But we like to watch some of the some of the old me TV, you know, the MASH and the different ones. Those are pretty as wholesome that you can find anyway. But if you'll if you'll watch MASH and you'll watch uh what is it, Mayberry or or yeah, what is it? Andy yeah, Andy Griffith, and you'll watch those. The commercials there, I don't know if you see this, if you ever watch that, take a look. They're telling you the next disaster's coming. There's a commercial for 30 seconds that says, the next disaster's coming. And it gives you a plan. Make sure you have food. Make sure you have water. Make sure you have your important documents. Make sure you have a meat to play. And they're, why would they do that? Never in my life have we seen commercials that are preparing us for whatever disaster's coming next. Never. Do they know something we don't? I got off track here. The power to obey God and stand for Him comes from a settled understanding that God is really in control. Verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before he's got... I've just got to smile because there's Dan. There's Daniel. He's like, hey, I want to pray. I want to pray. They found Daniel just as they knew they would. Doing what? Deep in prayer. Hey, Dan's not going to compromise. Let's catch him like this. For Daniel... Guys, prayer was both communion with God and pleading for his will to be accomplished. To be accomplished. He says, hey, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. As we close, I want you to think about all that we learned tonight. I want you to think about the position that Daniel was in. I want you to think about the canon of Scripture. The Lord put this in so that we can receive. I want you to see and let the Scriptures read you because we might be in a position. Here's my prayer. I pray we're never in a position that we're either forced to compromise our walk or to stand loyal to God. I just pray the Lord Jesus comes, takes us home right now, and we will never have to face any of the persecution that we know is coming. But the church is already persecuted. The church is already being persecuted. You may not see it here, but you know they are. You know in many other countries they're being persecuted for their faith. But can I say this? Whenever the church is persecuted, that's when it grows the most. That's when it grows the most. And it's exciting to see. Next week, we get to see what happens. Now, spoiler alert, most of you know this already. God shows up in a big way. But let me leave you with this as you think about this tonight. Daniel didn't, he didn't have the rest of the chapter, did he? He didn't know. He didn't know. We know. He's going he's gonna to have a great siesta with these lions. He's going to lay on them. He's going to pet them. He's going to be like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Ooh, look at those teeth. You still got some meat from last week. Okay, all right, that's all good. And, and he's going to, but, but, but he didn't know. We know. And so for you tonight, you know. 
that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to stand and fight with you and show up and be there. He's going to be there for you. You go, well, Ben, what if he's not? What if I die? What if I, in his sovereignty, you get to go before me. You get to see all of that we're talking about. And we'll miss you, but I won't feel sorry for you. Because as a believer, you're home. And I'm telling you, all those that are with Jesus right now are going, I don't want to go back to that earth. I want you to come. That's what they're asking. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we, we, we just learned so much from Daniel. Father, I pray that we would confess our pride to you, Lord. Things that we're holding on to, things that we're just, Lord, that we just would, would break down and confess that to you now. Lord, don't want to be a Belshazzar. Don't want to, don't want to end up with relationships killed and all that pride does. Father, would you pour your spirit upon us tonight so that we can be like Daniel? So we can be headstrong, focused on you, loving you. We just pray that tonight, Lord. Let all of the words, Lord, that you want us to hear sink into our minds and our hearts, God, so that we can be and glorify you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.